Lo acompañan Clifford y Carter. Carter saca disparo por la derecha. El poca está suelto. Alex Martínez. ¡Se acabó! ¡Gol de los Kings! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. Encuentra Dowry solo por la derecha. Disparo, rechaza Lombis. Llega Avery. ¡Gol! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Thursday night is the LA Kings debut on ESPN Deportes, so today we've got another installment of our behind-the-scenes series with the Kings' newest play-by-play announcer, Francisco X. Rivera. The plan is to keep bringing you a new episode after every game during this homestand, so make sure you never miss one by subscribing at lakings.com slash podcast. Joining me now, the newest team member for the LA Kings, Francisco X. Rivera. How are you doing today, Francisco? Doing amazing. Thank you. Uh, so you are going to be the uh, the broadcaster for the Kings Spanish broadcast. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I'm going to be the play-by-play announcer. I am joined by my good friend, Nano Cortez, who's going to be doing analysis of the team. So, you know, we're super excited. Before we get into that and uh, what you hope to accomplish and, and how that came to pass, let's start with your personal story. Um, where were you born? Where did you grow up? And when did you first discover sports? Well, uh, born and raised in Mexico City. Uh, been in the United States half of my life. Went to college here, Long Beach State. Um, and I first got into sports because of my dad. He could have been a professional athlete. Uh, he decided to go another way, but he always wanted to nurture that culture, that sports culture on me at some point. So I, I would say video games were my first connection to sports. And um, the funny story that I always tell everyone, uh, ice hockey on Nintendo was probably one of my uh, first introductions to with sports. With the little four guys? Exactly. So you have, right, and, and, and something, you know, I, that was incredible about this, about this is, uh, you you had the stocky fat guy who yeah. was very strong and you have the skinny speedy guy mm-hmm. and then you had the medium size obviously. But you know, that, that kind of introduced me to hockey because it's like, okay, you have the power and the checks, you have the speed and then you have the fighting, which is something, you know, I had never seen before. So it was, it was just incredible. And then, you know, that's, uh, in regards to hockey now, um, I started playing soccer when I was eight. Uh, I started playing baseball when I was nine. Um, I wanted to be a professional athlete. Didn't, couldn't go that route, unfortunately. But I was a broadcaster, which is the closest you can get to it, which you know worked out wonders for me. I want to back, I want to back up really quickly and and focus in on that Nintendo game because honestly, most people, um, especially in Southern California, their first exposure to hockey is you know the Mighty Ducks franchise or. Sure you know, the NHL series, you know, the EA Sports NHL series. Not a lot of people go back to the to the four the four man ice hockey game. For for those listeners who maybe are not old enough to remember, um, you got four players. It was four, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and you can choose them. Yeah, and the, the middle guy looked sort of like Mario from Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then the customization you could choose, as you said, was a short, stocky guy uh, or a tall, lean guy. That's amazing. That's I love that. That's a great introduction. Um, so when you start playing soccer uh, at eight, you said, yeah. Um, did you prefer offense or defense, or or was it? I mean, was it not that sophisticated at that age? I no, I always played a right winger from eight until I was eighteen. When I quote unquote officially retired, <laughs> yeah, I was always an offensive player. Yeah, I loved it. 
So, I mean, I, I unfortunately never, play, never played hockey, but had I, I would probably have chosen to be a right winger. And then we've got to fill in the, the picture a little bit. When you played baseball, what position did you play? Uh, first base. Okay. So yeah. how so how do you uh, wind up at Cal State Long Beach? For those Again, for those of our listeners who know, I grew up in Long Beach. I love Long Beach, and I'll not hear anybody say a bad word about Long Beach. So I'm thrilled to hear that you went to Cal State. Um, so how do, you, how do you wind up in Long Beach from, uh, from Mexico? Okay, so um, when I wanted to first play soccer, you know, get drafted, get a scholarship, um, I was not a very, you know, like a good team player. I, I had ego and discipline problems, so I didn't really fit that well. Um, I started getting disappointed. I didn't get the chances that I wanted. So I said, screw this. I'm going back to Mexico, back to my comfort zone. And this is, I'm, t- I'm talking to you about my senior year high school. So okay. I came here, I went to school in Hacienda Heights, then ended up going back to Mexico. And then a year later, I said, okay, well, you know, it didn't work out that well, but let's try the college route. Let's, let's go to college. Uh, let's, let's try to see what else we can do. And Let's let's go back. So I finished high school in Mexico, came back here to the U.S. and went um, to El Camino College for three years in Torrance. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually funny story. I chose the wrong uh, career path because <laughs> in Mexico, uh, you know, the broadcasting career is called comunicaciones or communications. But communications is something completely different as broadcasting. So with that said, I actually ended up taking one extra year of community college because I took the wrong classes. Oh, no. <laughs> and then by the time I was done, I said, well, no, USC is going to be pretty expensive for me. And then as an international student, I was paying six times tuition Oof. than a regular student. So pretty much Long Beach State cost me, let's say, instead of 1000 for for resident, $6,000 a semester, which is a lot for, for, uh, for Cal State. Uh, but, you know, I was living in El Segundo at the time. So I, I thought it would be a, a, an easy commute. You know, obviously, with me and my love for baseball, I knew, even though I wasn't playing, I knew the tradition of the dirtbags and, yeah. and, and college baseball. So I said, you know, it'll, it'll be fun. Let's give it a try. And, you know, it eventually got me an internship uh, for Fox Sports. I, I started searching for internships during my, my junior year. I got that internship that eventually put me in this position. So at what age did you decide to make the transition from player to broadcaster? Because that's a very specific um, pivot. Well, as I said, um, I, my, my, my path was clear, clear, very clearly written because I said MLS had just started back in 96. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Mexico is going to be a tougher place for me to play. So I said, you know, I'll just I mean, and this is just the the mind of a 17 year old teenager. Right. I'm just going to come here and it's going to be all easy for me. Just going to get a college scholarship and then get drafted. You know, that's sort of like how you look at it when you're younger. Right. Everything is going to be easy and handed right. to you. Yeah. But then I also, as I said, I didn't like playing with other people. I was very egocentric. I, I had those issues that unfortunately, like sort of stopped me from becoming an athlete i think i would have had a chance to play soccer um but you know we'll never know but at the same time as i said i always really liked even doing play-by-play on my nintendo and super nintendo (laughs) and doing my own reports so i said you know if this doesn't work out you know i am going to be a broadcaster and as i said i'm very happy that at least one of the two worked i'm always impressed when I when I encounter people with the kind of uh, self awareness that you're displaying by you know by listing your your flaws as a player, um, <laughs> I'm curious when did you discover 
or how did you develop uh, different habits? Because broadcasting or, or any sort of form of communication, I, I found anyway, and pardon me if I ramble a bit, but I found <laughs> that, that in order to be a successful communicator and, and therefore a successful broadcaster, you have to be collaborative, right? Even a good sure. conversation requires, you know, you can't have one person dominate or it's just boring, right, for both parties. Right. So, so how do you develop that that um, the skills of being a good teammate, you know, as a broadcaster, because obviously you succeeded as a broadcaster, where you clearly identify yourself that, that you didn't have them as a player? Well, it is tough for me. I mean, up until this day, because, you know, when I played soccer, I was the guy who's scoring goals and dribbling two or three defenders at the same time. And once you get into broadcasting, you need to understand. I mean, obviously, depending on your role, but I can give you an example. A lot of times when I've done studio shows, I prep 200% for them and I keep ideas on my own. Mm-hmm. And I sort of learn how to just be a team player. For example, giving the guy to my right a heads up, hey man, this is what I'm going to be talking about. Or if I'm doing play by play for a game, most of the times, you know, if you're doing play by play, you work with a former athlete who obviously has the insight and knowledge. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I like to do a lot of research on my own and tell them, hey, God, hey man, um, this is what I studied about. Why don't we exchange notes and, you know, just try to make the broadcast richer, if you will. So some, some of those things that you have to learn because you understand that if the guy next to you sounds great, then you sound great. And if you guys can compliment each other, uh, this is going to be just better for everyone. So it's one of those things that you end up understanding. I am not saying I am much better or, 100, <laughs> or I have corrected that problem 100%. But, you know, eventually it's like in life. You know, you understand that some doors get close in front of you because you don't see anywhere but right in front of you instead of seeing uh, with a peripheral vision. But there are some things that I'm trying to correct. And I I understand I've gone to this point because I I would like to think that I am talented. But at the same time, you know, there's so many other things. You need to be a team player. You you need to be a good guy. You need to be like in in sports, a guy that's like around the locker room. So (laughs) there are some of those things that you need to improve on. And, you know, we're always working on those every single day. Well, like you say, every day is a chance to get better. Um, Yeah. So what's your first uh, experience broadcasting a sport? What was the first sport that you actually called a game and had people listening to you? Well, I was very fortunate because I started in, uh, I mean, many people would say New York. To me, LA is a top market. I am biased, but I started in the top market. Um, I I worked for uh, Fox Sports Español after I I got my internship at Fox uh, Networks. Um, I immediately trying to get connected and contacted our peers um, at Fox Sports Español, which is now called Fox Deportes. Um, and I auditioned to be a baseball broadcaster. Um, got the gig as an analyst my first season. And uh, my first game, and that's why I said, you know, I was very fortunate because I didn't have to go to, a, you know, a top 100 market or, you know, anywhere around the country. I mean, I was here in Los Angeles broadcasting. At that time, the games were only broadcast in Latin America. So I got a lot of people, you know, friends and family to watch me in Mexico calling baseball. Uh, the first game, we actually didn't travel uh, during the regular season. The game was supposed to be Dodgers-Phillies, you know, which I was very, very excited about because I grew up a huge Dodger fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this, I mean, you couldn't have written it better. You know, I'm doing a Dodger game, my first game ever. It got rained out. <laughs> so uh, Magic of TV, we ended up transitioning to St. Louis and, and the Cubs which is obviously a derby, a classic uh-huh. game. So, you know, great rivalry. So it was a great game anyway, a great memory. 
Uh, so yeah, that was uh, my first my first game. So then again, very fortunate because it was not the minor leagues. It was not just somewhere around the country. It was MLB baseball on a national on uh, uh, continental network. So couldn't have written it better. I should have asked this earlier, but this is a, a good transition point backwards. When you were growing up, who were your favorite athletes? Who were the guys that you looked up to? Well, uh, are you very familiar with baseball? Uh, familiar enough. Okay, Brett Butler. Oh, sure. For yeah, the yeah. Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he was the guy when I when I started playing, you know, I was I was the guy who stole all the bases ever, and that was I guess my best skill playing baseball. So I really always looked up to him. Plus I mean I I'm not as short as he was because he was the guy that was was the underdog really you know that got into the minor leagues but i mean they told him he he couldn't play because he was tiny and he was too skinny so those stories really um inspired me um so in terms of uh uh baseball of course him um i was a huge utah fan because at the time they were good uh back in the 90s and you're in mexico city you don't have teams so you adopt you know, whoever's, you know, sure. whoever you see that's playing well. So I, I didn't want to jump in the bandwagon and follow Michael Jordan. So I went the other way. So I, um, I chose John Stockton and Carmelo. Malone. Uh, football wise, I, um, I chose the Bills instead of choosing the Cowboys. So Jim Kelly obviously would be my guy. Um, NHL really on the pre-internet days, the only players that I knew were Wayne Gretzky and Rob Blake. So I would say those would be my top guys. And uh, in terms of soccer, we had a guy, Hugo Sanchez, who's the top soccer player of all time. He used to play uh, in Mexico. He used to play for Real Madrid, won five scoring championships. So he's like a national hero. So I would guess those would be the guys that I really followed when I was growing up. So you kind of saw whatever team was winning and then went, <laughs> went the other way, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the Jazz lo- lose two in a row against uh-huh. the Bulls. The Bills lose four in a row. So yeah, it was a tough childhood in that in that regard. Yeah. It was a very happy childhood. Ah, builds character. Picking, picking my teams, yeah, I, I didn't pick very wisely, but yeah, I didn't. As I said, I didn't want to jump into any bandwagon and just follow the Cowboys or the 49ers just because everyone's doing it. So that's as I said, I'm not a, a great team player, so I like to go the opposite way. I like, it. and that's how I ended up with those teams. Uh, now, one of the reasons I know Brett Butler, I mean, obviously he's a you know a Dodger, so everybody in LA knows Brett Butler, but he wore number twenty. Which is one sure. of my favorite numbers, uh, Ian LaPerriere from the Kings, and obviously Trevor Lewis. Now, what number did you wear? Sorry, I should have crammed all these questions in earlier. But <laughs> did you have a number that you that you? Liked that's that you that's fine because you're digging very deep, <laughs> and all these things that I haven't talked about in years are coming back. So thanks for asking those. Don't worry about it. <laughs> my um, I I wore nine because that's a number that my dad used to wear. Okay. And my dad used to wear it playing baseball because of Roger Maris. Wow. So he was a huge. Uh, well, my dad was a Dodger fan, but in Mexico they used to broadcast Dodgers and Yankees games and TV back in the '60s. So that's how he got into it. So and he was also in soccer. He was a goalkeeper and a striker. So he would wear number nine. So I adopted it. And then funny story when um. I was watching a Marlins Dodgers game in '93. I saw Benito Santiago, the Marlins catcher, wearing 09. So I said, "Okay, I'm gonna wear 09. I'm gonna be the cool one." So until then, every jersey that I get, one of my passions is when I travel, I like to get a jersey of wherever I go. So I always wear 09 in my back. There you go. We must so, have yeah. a, a pretty good collection by now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would guess so. All over when I travel, I've been very fortunate to travel over. Europe and um, even around the United States and 
and I always, you know, try to get myself a jersey. And yeah, most of them either nine or zero nine. Do you have back. one that that is your that stands out as your favorite or most unique or one that nobody's ever seen or heard of before? Well, if we talk hockey, I have to talk about the the Kings one that my dad got me when I was fifteen. Okay. Uh, when when Starter was sponsoring every single team yeah. in every league, right? I don't know what mm-hmm. happened to them, but you know, back in the day, they had football and they had basketball and they had hockey. So that one that I actually took to um, El Segundo when when I when things were made official and I met everyone at the Kings organization, I took that jersey with me and I took some pictures right in front of the rink, uh, at the practice rink of the Kings. So that that's a special one. Uh, I would say. Well, I, I mean, there, there's a lot, but, um, you know, I think all of them I, I, I hold with, with a lot of uh, love and I cherish them. But, but that one, I'm, now that we're talking hockey, yeah, of course. And the one that my wife bought me when we went to our first Kings game back in 2011, she got me a Dustin Brown jersey, but one of the older ones from the Triple Crown time. Okay, so the, uh, the purple yellow, blue. purple. Yeah, oh, sorry, exactly. sorry, forum blue and gold. I would be... yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. So yeah, those two. I would say now that we're talking hockey, I love them. One because then again, it was my you know a Christmas present for my dad during my teenage years, and the other one because my wife bought it to me the first time we went to a hockey game together. Well, those are that's a lovely answer. I, I like <laughs> yeah. that very much. Um, let's rewind again. Sorry, going going completely out of order. Um, so you you broadcast your first game. It's a baseball game. Um, I, I, I apologize if there's an awkward answer to this question. Was your dad around to see your first uh, broadcast? Well, my dad's my biggest fan up until this day. Uh, Perfect. He watches every single broadcast that I that I do. I don't know if you have Sling Player. Uh, um, I do. <laughs> okay, perfect. Then you'll understand. So my dad has uh, my password for Sling Box. So he connects to every game that I do here. And then I also have a, by the way, this is, parenthesis is totally out of the topic, but I do have one in Mexico. So I get to watch a lot of events <laughs> in Mexico, boxing, MMA and all that stuff. But anyway, that's another story. Um, so yeah, every time I do something here, you know, he connects and, and, and listens to them. I'm still not sure if those, if my games, my Kings games are going to be broadcast online as well, but if they are, he's definitely going to listen. I mean, he, he, he can't miss anything except for. When I'm doing a Spanish TV newscast at 11 p.m., which is 1 a.m. in Mexico, he can't. But everything else he does. And I have been very fortunate to share a lot of those moments with him as well. I mean, I've taken, like, when I got to do the World Series back in 2012, he went with me. Uh, my wife was there too. Um, just about three weeks ago, they called me to do um, an MMA fight in Mexico City, which to me was amazing because I got to go back to my hometown. He was there. My wife was there. So I have been very fortunate to share a lot of these professional moments with my family being right next to me. Now, how did you get the nickname The Sports Knight? Oh, that was uh, very interesting because um, I was part of uh, the Hollywood Reporter's Top 35 under 35. Um, And I know there were not too many people uh, that qualified for it. Uh, I started in this business very young. I was 20, 23. So I was still ways apart from being 35. So I was well under 35 at the time. Um, and I, there were not too many qualified broadcasters at that time that had accomplished a lot of different things and uh, they served to be there. And I, I'm very fortunate that the people at Fox Deportes proposed me for that. Um, and I was the only bro- uh, broadcaster chosen. So I was the only sports guy 
represent or the only guy representing a sports area where you had you know people of the caliber of Christina Aguilera and Zoe Saldana and um, just so many different musicians and actors. And I was the only sports guy technically that qualified for the top 35 and 35 with such accomplishments. And then they just decided to go with the sports night. Uh, I mean, I, to be honest with you, I never asked anyone. I never asked anyone why. Um, I just sort of rolled with it. And um, it has never really stuck for whatever reason. I mean, a lot of people that know me call me more like because of my, my middle name, Xavier, and I go by Francisco X or Francisco X. So a lot of people call me X or X uh, or X Rivera. But, you know, sports night for whatever reason never really stuck. But it's always in my heart because, you know, I get to really I get to um, show that off and, you know, to, to family and friends. I was on the Hollywood Reporter. I was on a top 35 under 35. So, yeah, whenever that sports night title comes up, I'm going to be, yeah, this was me <laughs> back it, in the day. Is it going to be obnoxious if I call you sports night every time I see you around Staples Center? That would be amazing, man. Go ahead Perfect. and do it. You know, we have kings. We're all kings, right? That's so, right. Then we need a night too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so you've called every sport. I mean, almost under the sun, from MMA to you know to soccer to, to American football to baseball. Um, but it sounds like you have a, a history with hockey, um, aside from just playing the the little four stubby guys on the, <laughs> on Nintendo. So, yeah. so what is your introduction to ice hockey? You mentioned Wayne Gretzky and Rob Blake. Um, at what age did your uh, awareness of hockey sort of transition from you know passive to more passionate? Well, I am not going to lie to you and tell you I've been a hockey guy my whole life because that will be I, I unfortunately have seen a lot of people that all of a sudden are hired by a team and say, "Hey, I was I followed that team since I was three. Right. You know, it's but but yeah, I mean, obviously, with I had a lot of family in, in Los Angeles, so obviously I started following the Dodgers and I started. Following, my dad was a Rams fan, so he was a Dodgers fan. Because other times coming here to see my uncles and going to, to um, ball games and whatnot, and obviously the Kings because I think someone had a Kings hat in my house or something. My dad had some Kings memorabilia or whatever. So, you know, obviously yeah, the Kings. Uh, we had ESPN in Mexico and cable. So you know, seldom would we get a game, and I would watch it. Um, I thought it was exciting. Then it was it was fast. It was uh, you know you had the brawls, um, and I. I didn't follow it as much as I would follow baseball or soccer just because of exposure itself. But I can, I mean, there are very punctual stories that I can, I can go to and, and they're very important moments in my life. I mean, the, you know, playing Nintendo against my dad on, um, on, on, um, ice hockey. Then he took me to my first game back when I was 12. Uh, it was a Russia U S game. So the amateur, wow. the top, you know, the top amateur teams, uh, Obviously, Russia and, and the U.S., they went to Mexico uh, when I was 12. And I, at the time, Russia, you know, well, Russia, you know their history with hockey. So I was like, man, I'm so excited to see these guys play. And even I drew myself a little flag. That's when they had transition from the other uh, USSR flag to the newer one, to the Russia flag. And I even drew myself one. And I said, oh, I'm going to root for Russia. You know, these guys are great hockey players. So he took me to one of the two major ice rinks in, in Mexico where they have ice skating and hockey. It's called Pista Lomas Verdes. Uh, so he took me to that game and I really enjoyed it. He bought me a puck, which I have until this day. And I actually took to El Segundo again to take some pictures with it. When my my role as a play-by-play announcer with the Kings was official. Uh, then he got me that jersey when I was 15. And then, um, you know, I would watch games here and there. When I first got a chance to um, 
once I moved to Los Angeles, where I was very fortunate to work for companies that had suites. So I would always, or premier seating. So I would always try to go to, to hockey games. And, you know, I found there is no, with all due respect to every other sport that I love and I have broadcast, there is no better experience than watching a, a live hockey game. I mean, it's, it's just incredible to me. It, it resembles a lot of watching a soccer game in Latin America or broadcasting a game in the East Coast. Then again, with all due respect. But I, I do believe that Kings fans or Los Angeles hockey fans have really set a standard of how to be rowdy and loud and curse at the ref and curse at the opponent. That's what I like to see and that's why I enjoy. And obviously when, um, as years passed, two of my nephews played for the Mexico national team. We do have a team. We're the best <laughs> one in Latin America, although our competition is not great. But we do have a team. It's an expensive sport in Mexico. I mean, it's an expensive sport anywhere. Yeah. But you're talking about a third world country. So, you know, unless you have the money, it's tough for you to get equipment and gear and whatnot. So two of them uh, played um, as teenagers uh, in the Mexican national team, won a few tournaments. They used to come to Dallas every year for youth tournaments. And then uh, one of my cousins went to Canada. She was a model. And I have a nephew who was born in Canada. His dad used to be a, a semi-pro uh, hockey player. So now my nephew is playing juniors right now in the Ontario Junior Hockey League. Uh, probably a few years from being a pro. And then when he was little, I promised him I was going to do whatever I could to help him out to become a pro. And now he's 18. So, you know, it's one of when I when I took this Kings job, that was going to be one of my challenges. It's not a great professional venture for me only, but it's something that's very personal to me because now it's become a challenge. I'm going to help you out, kid. You know, you just got to do your thing. And I want to help you out to put you in a position of success. So then again, it's, it's not that I've been... A uh, super, super hockey fan my whole life, but if you just encapsulate those moments into one melting pot, you mm -hmm. would see that it was meant to be uh, at some point in my life. Well, the, the the newer official policy of all the King's men is that it, it doesn't matter when you jumped on the bandwagon. <laughs> it, it only matters when you jump off. And as long as you never jump <laughs> off, it, you know, right. then you're a, a real fan, as they say. Great. Um I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, it, it's pretty well known that the, the easiest way to get someone to become a hockey fan is to take them to a game. Sure. Right? It, it's a, it, it is the best in-person um, sporting experience. And I've always wondered why why the league and, and teams haven't sort of focused on that in their marketing campaigns. You know, rather than, you know, I don't know if you remember in the 90s, they had all these things like Paul Korea shooting peas in a diner or... You know, they sure. had the the goalies robbing banks or you know, <laughs> they had all these great commercials. But it seemed to me just focusing on how great a, a live experience it is, um, especially in today's world where live entertainment is, you know, one of the best returns on investment, right? You can binge watch all you want or you can download the entire, you know, library of whatever band you like, but you can't easily find a live experience. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Um, my question is what is it like to broadcast hockey versus all the other sports? Is there one sport that you enjoy more? Um, how do the sports differ from one another from your responsibility as a play-by-play -play announcer? I mean, I imagine baseball gives you a lot more time to to analyze and to you know tell stories, but um, but but what's it like to call a hockey game as compared to other sports? Well, I think you hit it right in the spot because baseball is probably the sport that I know the most about, and I'm a storyteller. I consider myself a storyteller, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, when, you know, when I am partner up with a, 
you know, former MLB player, you know, all the stories, like I know their backgrounds and we can go back and forth and tell them, hey, I remember when you played for this team back in this day and age, and this happened. And, you know, obviously that's that's something I enjoy uh, in terms of the energy and the speed. I mean, football and MMA are incredible. Um, I it, it's tough for me to just choose one because all of them I, I do have great love for. But now when it comes to hockey and I got my first phase of it back in the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver, I didn't travel. I had to do the games from the studio, a studio in Long Beach, by the way. So our beloved Long go. Beach. <laughs> right. So um, it was tough, man. I mean, you, I can tell you because you didn't have like a, a game cast like you do right now for every NHL game. So a lot of times you have to get used to line changes and you didn't know which lines were playing with, you know, guys were playing with each other on each line. It was it was rough. I mean, it was it was rough. I got to do a few as a play-by-play guy, a few as a scholar commentator, and it was it was a tough transition. So um, when this opportunity um, came aboard, and you know, I started preparing my demo for you know to show to the Kings and the radio station and whatnot, I said, "This is not going to be you know, it's not going to happen to me again. I am going to memorize every single stat, every single uh, number, every single name, just to make sure." I don't have any issues when I'm calling the game. I have to, and I get distracted because I don't know who came in and who came out. So um, I, I, I started calling, you know, when I got this gig. And then again, you might have to backtrack a little bit, I know, to, <laughs> <laughs> to get answers of how I got it. But my point is, um, I started, you know, calling games on my TV um, since the preseason when, uh, when I knew I was going to get this job and uh, just practicing getting my notes as if I was doing a real game. And then um, back on the 20th, uh, I got to go to that, um, well, fortunately, disastrous game against Buffalo. And my partner and I just called it and recorded ourselves as if it was the real thing. So it was the first time sitting at our space in um upper press box, you know, a few stops, uh, spots from where you are. That's going to be our little spot there. And you just, just check my angles, the speed. Um, so, you know, I was, as I said, I, I was going to make sure nothing caught me ever off guard. Um, and I, am, I felt like a fish inside water, man. It was, it was just amazing to be able to call it. Unfortunately, the Kings scored only one goal, but uh, I already have <laughs> yeah. it on tape, which is great. But at the same time, you know, it just felt great. I mean, I felt like I, if I had been doing it in 100 years. And it's one of the things that just, I guess, comes natural. But I did practice a lot in front of my TV just to make sure that first experience was good. So now I, I, I just can't imagine or how, how picture how great it's going to be, be or feel once we get our first game on November 1st. You talked about um, L.A. as, you know, one of the top markets in the in the country, probably the continent, probably the world, frankly. Sure. Um, uh, hockey is obviously a very uh, – oh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> uh it's been a pretty homogenous sport for most of its history. And a lot of that has to do with geography. A lot of that has to do with, you know, affluence and how expensive the sport is. Um, but in LA, we have a very diverse fan base and, you know, I'm sort of, I should know this, but this is the first time the Kings have had a, a dedicated uh, Spanish speaking broadcast team, correct? Well, there was one about that ended 20 years ago. I'm not exactly sure how well, long it I, lasted, I but I know like it that was, was around yeah. for like two years. Mm-hmm. So, so how, who contacts you? How does this begin? And uh, and what are the you know what are the hopes of the Kings and you as far as growing the the sport in the Spanish market, or are you just catering to a need that's never been been met before? Well, um, 
going back to where we all started, um, I had been working with Lotus Communications for a long time. They own a lot of radio stations around the country. The main one is ESPN Deportes Radio 1330, which is the one in which the Kings will be um, appearing this year. Uh, they own 980, which is a region, regional Mexican station. So I've done a few different sports for them, starting with the Angels a few years back. Currently, I do radio, free half post game uh, host for the Rams. And I also call LAFC games on one of their stations as well. So, um, you know, I'm very involved uh, with the radio station. They've uh, welcomed me with open arms. Uh, it's been a long time relationship. And when talks came about, you know, the Kings coming to the station and, you know, started talking to the station director, uh, we, we, he was just joking about it. Hey, the Kings are coming, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, can I be your guy? And he's like, what do you know about hockey? <laughs> so I then started explaining all this point, all these right. points about me playing Nintendo, about my, my nephew's playing, about one of my nephews who wants to be a pro and who's probably a couple of years away. And I said, man, th this will be a great challenge. So he's like, all right, why don't you put, you know, do you have any demo? Have you done hockey? And I said, yeah, the Olympics. Do you have anything to show? No, I don't. Well, why don't we put together a demo? Sure. And one of my one of my colleagues at the station, uh, Armando Aguayo, did a tremendous job in helping me out and putting it together in terms of sound effects and everything. I chose uh, the 2014 uh, finals, and uh, I uh, Alec Martinez's goal was like my my <laughs> highlight, my the pinnacle yeah. of it. And I did show it to Alec at practice two weeks ago, and he was like, "Man, I heard this before. It was, it was impressive." And I'm like, "I'll make sure." PR gets it to you at some point. So, uh, because I'm like, dude, you got me the job. So thanks, Alec. So, um, and he was, uh, you know, it's, I don't believe in coincidences. He was the first player that I met when I walked into the locker room. So <laughs> then again, uh, it's, it's kind of the, the way life is. So, um, they, you know, it was sort of a waiting game. And every time in this, in this career, it's kind of like, it's a waiting game and you're on patient. A lot of times you doubt yourself and you're like, what if there was a demo that was better than mine? Uh, you know, I, I don't know, you, you feel insecure at times when you yeah. don't hear the call, but you know, I believe in metaphysics, I believe in vibes, I believe in the law of attraction. So I, I, I thought the job was mine and I even posted a picture on my wall, a, lo a King's logo. And I said, this is going to be mine. So, um, I wanted it as, as a professional, as I said, as a personal challenge as well, uh, as a family experience. So, um, they notified me, I got it. I was the happiest guy. And it's funny because, you know, I, I tell the station director, really? And he's like, of course you did. What do you think I'm calling? <laughs> I don't call very often. I, I seldom call you. So, yeah, I'm calling you to let you know the Kings like you. Um, and since then, I, I had a meeting with, uh, with Jonathan Lowe, with Michael Thierry, with, uh, with everyone involved with entertainment. I mean, it's been quite a welcome. And, and it's been an unreal, unreal, surreal experience, you know, with how well they have treated me. Um, even, you know, I was having dinner with them. Uh, last week, took my wife to the game. Luke Robitaille came to my table and introduced himself to me. Kelly Cheeseman came to the table and introduced <laughs> himself to me. So believe me, I mean, these are things which you will never forget. I mean, these are, whatever happens in my life or to the Kings or whatever, I haven't even started calling a game. But the experiences I have, I have gathered from, from these moments are just surreal. So um, I, I, as I said, I met with them. There are some ideas that we're working on in terms of marketing, in terms of promotion. There's plenty of stuff that we want to do. And I'm a very proactive guy, so I've, I've been talking to the organization, just uh, brainstorming, pitching some ideas. So I'm sure some of those will develop into something. I'm, like anything, some may, some may not. But um, in, in answering to your, to your last question, what do I want to bring to this? Um, I think 
we can make something happen. I think there are, you know, according to what I've seen on social media and, uh, and around the stands, there, there are a lot of Latino fans following hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, especially, I think our main or core audience, we need to target to Mexican-American fans because let's say they grew up here, they're second generation or first generation, but at the same time, they're used to watch soccer with their parents. And they're used to that, like, super loud, over-the-top, play-by-play sort of style, right? Like, this guy goes to this guy, and this and that, and this and that, and goal, you know? And, and they, they're familiar with it. So why don't we give them the taste of it? And, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not competing with anyone. <laughs> I mean, I have, you know, our, our radio broadcast has Nick Nixon, who, by the way, let me tell you, I got to sit um, with them, with Nick and Daryl, uh, for the Red Wings game. And it was just surreal to be able to, to be with them, to see how it works. I mean, it's incredible because with me, uh, being born in the eighties and just to see how Nick works so easily with just a piece of paper, no, no laptop or anything, no iPad. (laughs) It was just incredible, man. It was just incredible. So then again, I mean, I am not competing with anyone or not saying we're going to take fans away from you. Uh, or the English or TV side, but at the same time, hey, let's let's try to cater to fans that have never heard it before, fans who um, know Nano, my partner, or me as, as public figures, and be like, hey, what is this guy doing now? Hey, let's follow him because we we like those guys, or guys to you know who tune into the station. This station has rights to the to the uh, to the Lakers, to the Clippers, to the Rams, to the Galaxy. So they cover pretty much any, anything. So there's a lot of casual listeners who will be like, what the heck's going on now? What, what, what's, what sport is that? It sounds exciting. So, yeah, I want to bring that exciting and I want to bring that knowledge. And obviously, I can't fool myself telling you we're going to be um, – it's not like you're doing play-by-play for the hardcore hockey fans. So I spoke to, to my partner, Nano, and you know, we need to make sure he teaches uh, during timeouts and whatnot. He, need to, he needs to teach, teach the game – from A to Z to people who are barely getting to it and start from scratch. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to be didactic. Uh, didactic. We're going to be uh, teaching you the game, but at the same time with a lot of excitement, with a lot of passion, and try to take it somewhere where it has never be t- been taken. I mean, the, the King's organization has a lot of great ideas, and it's no coincidence that we're starting on Dia de los, de los Muertos night, which is a, a big day for, for, for the Mexican or the Latino community in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, possibilities are endless, but believe me, we're going to push to promote the heck out of this. I had the opportunity recently at an Ontario rain game, um, to talk to Dimitri Herrera. He's a a student, he's studying journalism. It was, I I believe, um, his first opportunity to cover a sporting event. And he was sort of asking me a couple of questions, you know, or advice or whatever. And, And the one thing I said was, if anybody ever gives you an opportunity, um, just say yes, whatever sure. it is, you know, just do, do whatever you can do as much of it as you can. It sounds like you've followed that philosophy based on your resume. Um, is there any opportunity or anything that you ever look back on that you passed on or maybe that you didn't get that you, that you regret or you wish you had, uh, had said well, yes to? it's a very interesting question because I, I finally crossed over to English language, uh, when, um, uh, when was it? 2013 and mm-hmm. working for Fox sports and, mainly as a reporter covering the national team. And then I started transitioning to play-by-play in English as well and several other roles around. And at times, there have been jobs that I have taken in which I thought, well, maybe I wasn't ready. And it's happened when if you follow a sport that, or you call a sport that has 
a broad Latino audience or a very diverse audience, then, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a slight accent or, you know, if you, if they could tell that you have a Latino background, it's fine. But then my, my, my hunger for conquering has led me to other, you know, sports that are more, quote unquote, Americanized or American, if you will, mm-hmm. where the audiences are not as diverse. And the uh, feedback hasn't been all great. Uh, but if I had to do it again, yeah, I would take it. I would take the job again. Uh, in terms of regrets, I don't, I don't think like my biggest challenge right now is being able to fit everyone, everything in my schedule. I'm a very fortunate guy. I'm working a lot. I'm working the heck out of whatever opportunity I get. But this time, uh, this, uh, this time of the year, I'm working seven days a week. And there's times when I have three gigs in one day, you know, four maybe. So, you know, I, I try not to pass on any opportunity. Yeah, there's been a few probably because of scheduling, because of a family trip. Like, there's some that are sacred. Like, my, um, my, when my wife and I go on an anniversary trip, we know there's no way we can make any adjustments. <laughs> That's not flexible at all. So, um, you know, because there's probably going to be one time a year in which we can spend a year somewhere else. I mean, a, a week somewhere else. And, you know, maybe I pass on, on a few opportunities. But, no, I, I am the kind of guy who will tell you, I am not going to pass in any opportunity and maybe I'm not ready, but screw it. And, and a lot of times <laughs> if you're not ready, you know, people will get a, a different opinion of you. Like this guy wasn't ready and they will always look at you as the guy that wasn't ready. But you know what? That door may close slightly, but there will be another one opening and you'll get a better opportunity from that one. So, you know, I believe in opportunity. I'll take it, you know, every single time. Well, listen, I love that philosophy. I have loved speaking to you. I look forward to seeing you at Stable Center uh, all the time. Thank you very much for your time. No, thank you so much, Jesse. Uh, so once again, November 1st, our first game, Dia de los Muertos Night on ESPN Deportes Radio, uh, 13.30 a.m. For those of you listening in Los Angeles, uh, Nano Cortez, who's going to be my partner, color commentator slash analyst, myself, Francisco X. Rivera on Play by Play. Uh, can't wait, man. Really can't wait, and I, I I've been listening to your podcast uh, ever since I got the gig. Just doing my homework by listening <laughs> to you guys. I love the history moments. Uh, let me tell you, my favorite one was when you guys talked about the outdoors game in Vegas. I thought it was an unreal experience and something to listen to. I wasn't familiar with that game in particular, so for me to learn from you guys, it's it's just incredible. So keep on doing it, and and I appreciate you know. You're giving me the time to tell my story and can't wait to keep listening to the podcast. Well, I appreciate that very much. Um, one of the things that, that has aided me in my uh, role here is that, you know, I just love, I, love isn't even the right word. You know, I, I struggle to sort of define it. I just can't not think about hockey anymore. Like I just, <laughs> I just can't yeah. physically do it anymore. Like sure. I've lost the ability to stop thinking about hockey. Yeah. Um, and I'm one of those, you know, nut bars that obsesses about things. So when I love something, I, I want to know everything I can. And so for me, when, you know, you mentioned your, um, the, the prep work you do and, and that spoke to me because I just, you know, I, <laughs> even if I'm out car shopping, I've got my phone up and, and I'm pouring through stats or I'm sure. reading out articles on the athletic about, you know, coaching philosophies and, you know, new trends in the game and everything. And so I, I'm really, uh, thank you for saying that because, you know, I, I love hearing old stories and I love finding out unique details about the sport and the characters in it. And I've really enjoyed, yeah. uh, I really enjoyed hearing your story. So, and I hope yeah. our listeners will too. Thanks um, again, man. No problem. So uh, for Francisco X Rivera, my name is Jesse Cohen. Thanks for listening. Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.